<laughs> hey! <Yeah>. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. That's good. Thank you. So, first of all, before we start, I gotta apologize. I bitch a lot about my close friends not wanting to do <laughs> episodes with me. And I bitch about how hard it is to get people to organize times to do this and then not cancel. <laughs> and even some friends that I've had for 10, 20 years don't feel comfortable having their thoughts or shit that they say recorded. And I've never spoken to you. I don't know you. You don't know me. I just simply asked like, Hey, I heard the podcast you did on death radio. You want to do one with me? And you were just like, yep. And then because of our time difference, it took us a little while to get a time set, but I got to apologize for getting the times wrong this morning. (laughs) But also I got to thank you for just being so easygoing and just like, yeah, man, I'll do it. You didn't ask me, a single question. You didn't say, well, what's it about? Or what are we going to do? It was just like, yeah, cool. And I appreciate that so much. That's, that's awesome. No problem, man. I mean, I appreciated, uh, you listening to the death radio episode and wanting something that interested you enough to reach out and be like, Hey, what's, what's chat. So I thought that was cool. And, uh, I'm usually that sort of guy that, sets up band practice sets up shows sets up hangouts sets up everything so like uh i get upset when i try to make plans and people are at the Uh, end they're like oh i can't do it or um i gotta reschedule or you know what man i totally forgot like that kind of irritates me so when you reached out and you were like hey man let's do an interview and i said yeah like for sure we gotta make it happen you know so regardless of the the time zones which were kind of crazy for us but uh yeah want to get get it done and i love opportunities like this because i never really i think i've only been on a few different podcasts and or whatever like radio shows before so i enjoy it and yeah really fun i think that some people get just freaked out by the idea or they freak themselves out by overthinking it right but if you're someone that has to be the planner and has to know when you're going to do shit, we're going to, we're going to be great friends. I'm one of those people that has to know like, what am I doing tomorrow? When am I doing it? Who's going to be there? And if something changes that, like I don't freak out and hide in the corner, but it's like, ah, if, if the slightest little thing is changing, like, Maybe I don't want to do it. Like, let's reschedule the whole thing. Like, I gotta, I gotta be prepared for even the most sure. minor thing. So, and that that so, could be a pro or a con too, because I, I live by like my school <laughs> yeah. book, and you know, I got some friends who are just like, "Hey, man, shit happens. Uh, things change. Just roll with it." I'm just like, "Oh, I don't know. I'd like to, <laughs> I like to know every little detail." Before, yeah, but yeah. it could be a pro or a con, but it seems like. We got an understanding already of uh, personalities, you know. It's pros and cons, but it's like seventy-five percent pro, and twenty-five percent. Yeah, con. for sure. It's not a I'm 50, just being. You know, <laughs> I like to know everything that's going on. Yeah. 
so I want to try something. And I, I want to try to stick to this. Since we know nothing about each other. I wrote down, but you know, I know enough about you to come up with shit that I want to know. So I came up with a list of shit that I wanted to ask you, but for the sake of time, I just want you to give me one word responses. Got it. You think, okay. And no matter what the question is, your response can only be one word. And then based on, based on where that goes, I'll form the conversation that we'll have from your answers to the questions. Cool. I guess we got to start with a little bit of background so that people listening have an idea of who you are and what's going on with you before I just start throwing questions at you. So maybe, maybe for this part, you can give full answers. It's not as fun. Let's, let's try to do the one word thing. Let's try to do it. Yeah, let's do it. I'm psyched on the one word answer. You're from Chicago. Yes. But you live in Tokyo. Yes. And you've been there for how long? Uh, almost five years now. <laughs> you only got to say one word. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> five. <laughs> five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of what I was, even if it makes no sense. Right. Five. Um, why Tokyo? One, uh, wrestling. Yeah. No, are you serious? Yes. All right, let me make a note of that because I got to tell you, that was not an answer I was expecting to get. Okay. <laughs> You're already throwing me off. I expected like weeb shit, not not wrestling. That's awesome. Okay. So what's your favorite food? Uh, Japanese food or just in general? I got I got a separate question for each. Okay. Uh, Japanese food. Uh, ramen. Any specific kind? Show you. Ah, you like the salt? Yeah. <laughs> Is is the the show use the salty one or that's the soy sauce one? It's salty, uh, but you know I'm not eating as much of it as I was the first year or two I was here. My my gut kind of took a beating uh, from all the ramen I was like indulging on, but uh, when I do eat it, it's a nice little treat. Man. Before you moved to Japan, what was your favorite food? tacos what's your favorite food to eat in japan that's not japanese tacos but tokyo is not really known for its mexican food so i unfortunately have to like lower my (laughs) coming from chicago like a big mexican community there's like some amazing mexican food so uh the, the ones I've had here are like, okay, but uh, tacos, have, regardless. Have you been to a Taco Bell out there? Yes. How, how and, was uh, it? Give, it a, give it, it a score out of 10. Seven. 
Oh, that's that's good. I feel like that's pretty good. Tasted great, uh, but double the price of what you would normally pay in the states for Taco Bell. So instead of paying like six bucks or seven bucks, you're paying like twenty. So it's a yeah. it's like a little treat or novelty to go, but you can't be doing it like all the time if you were like on tour or something. When I go to Taco Bell, I still spend twenty bucks here. So man, so it'd be like forty bucks here. <laughs> Uh, okay, I have this on here, but your favorite sport? Wrestling. Okay. Fav- and then I got favorite Japanese sport. Because they got some ones, you know, we don't really. If it's if it's Japanese wrestling, I guess that's still. It, it would be Japanese wrestling, for sure. For sure. Yeah, specifically like Japanese, like pro wrestling. So. You have a favorite. Uh american sports team uh i would just say the dallas cowboys because just for like nostalgia because uh you know i grew up like as a kid i i'm 36 now so i remember like the emmett smith troy aikman like years so to me that was like a magic time to grow up even though i was like from the chicago and during the chicago bulls and all i was still more of a that's what i was just about yeah, I was just about to ask you. That's crazy. Yeah, if I had to pick between like American basketball or football, I would definitely watch football. But I haven't watched a football game in good man five years since I've been out here. So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe the answer will change. How prevalent is American football there? Uh, I mean. From the people I've met, people know about it, of course. It's like, ah, American football. I don't understand it. So usually I don't... (laughs) You see people, like, wear the jerseys and, like, for fashion. And, like, you see, like, the sports hats and jerseys, just like anywhere. But as far as, like, a following for American football, I haven't met a single person that's like, oh, yeah, watching the NFL this week. It's like... They know about it, but... It doesn't make it on... Not really, no. It doesn't make it on the TV or anything. No, unless, like, you probably have to pay for, like, some special, like, satellite company or for it. But, um, yeah, I I would say not so big here. Are there small, shitty, professional teams... Like Japanese based teams uh, that have an American style football league. I would, I mean, rugby is huge here and so, like soccer, football, whatever is huge here. But like American football, I don't think is, I'm sure there's like a team that plays it, but I have yet to see it. Okay. That's always been something that's been on my mind because, you know, like I played football a little bit in college, but mostly in high school. Mm -hmm. But if you think like, obviously I'm all, I'm 40. There's no way I'm going and doing any sort of football related activities here at my age. But it's always crossed my mind. Like I bet I would be great against Japanese people that have never played football before. And it's like, Oh, I wonder if I could go over there and, you know, get on like some team making 30 grand. 
it could be like a Mighty Ducks sort of uh, feel-good story. You could come out here and coach a team, and like they could win. <laughs> exactly. Or exactly. Something to think about, man. Something to think about. You got a favorite Japanese sports team? You know, I uh, I don't. I mean, other than like pro wrestling, I'll watch baseball sometimes. Uh, I'll watch like whenever the Tokyo Giants are on TV, but uh, that's about it, really. Okay. Have you been to a Giants game? Once, and it was crazier than any like Cubs or Tigers or White Sox <laughs> game I've been to. It was just like another level of, uh... and this was pre-Corona, obviously, so people could cheer, right, right, do the the songs and everything. So I got the full experience, and it was just like unbelievable whereas like i remember going to like cubs games on a tuesday and seeing dudes just like passed out and like just concerned with eating and talking to each other than like watching the game or the team you know so it was a whole different like so the japanese crowd is yeah they're like super into the team and the sport and the players and uh it was really cool to see i'd never seen anything like I had tickets to go to a game in March of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, you know what happened to that? Yeah. Everything just kind of ended. <laughs> I would assume another year or so before tourism yes. here is like allowed. Um, yeah. The, the stuff that I've heard about like them starting to even think about it has had so many restrictions on it, even for like business travel that it's like, even if you can get there, man, it's not even worth it at this point you no. know, with all the quarantine yeah. and like the, the, the tracking you on your phone and all that. Right. That was something new. I know they'd been doing that in Korea when it first 2020 had started, but now there's like bracelets that they put on you and tracking. And, you know, if you do, break those quarantine rules if you're like you're at the government hotel and you're quarantined if you are caught doing that you're looking at some like serious penalty or jail time or deportation so they're taking that pretty seriously at the airport you know what's your favorite band japanese band or just in general i probably won't know that yeah give me the japanese band see if i even okay. know who uh it is. i would say unholy grave yeah, I don't know it. What is it? What genre uh, is Grindcore. it? Okay. So I love that band. Uh, favorite band in general that's, like, so tough. <laughs> uh, I know. It's I would say Napalm hard. Death. You can say your own. No, we're cool, but, like... <laughs> I was actually going to ask you that. I listen to... You just have a couple songs on your band camp, but I listened to a couple of them, and I was like... I bet this guy really loves Napalm Death. Absolutely love it. Uh, so it's like, yeah, they were the growing up when I was like 14, 13, 14. I heard them. They were just like exactly what I needed with the the politics mixed with like the uh, the speed and the aggression of everything. I thought it was like right up my alley, you know. So uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say like the later albums are like. My favorite, they're still great, but uh, the older ones are just like forever ingrained in my mind. Like, 
from those early albums. Uh, that's gotta be, that's gotta be ninety percent of bands, where it's like, oh yeah, you gotta go to the first, like the right. first couple. But what I mean, I don't know if that means like once you pass that, bands are getting just like aren't as good as they get older, or is it just like nostalgia? Because it's like, man, I love those first Napalm records, but for me, it's because like yeah, I was thirteen or fourteen, and like at my parents, just like not knowing what I was discovering. So there's like a special like memory attached to it, but it doesn't mean that like the later albums are bad by any means. It's just made different. You don't have that Remember, attachment to it, you know, as you did like the the older stuff. Remember in that pre-internet age, when you found a band that you hadn't heard before that you liked, it was a momentous occasion. It was like, oh, holy shit! Like finally, where now? I mean, you just you can click through 30 different bands on YouTube in, in a minute and find all kinds of shit that you like. But back then I was buying CDs like blind at the store. Just, Oh, this has cool cover art. Well, I'll give, I'll give this a shot. It was cool, man. And like, yeah, you, I mean, everything's more accessible now, but it's lost that feeling of like that special feeling when you found something that you like, I just get burned out, man. I'll scroll through YouTube all day and just like end up on nothing. I'm just like, my my eyes hurt and I yeah. feel like I have ADHD or something. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's just not special. I mean, obviously there's good music being released now and there's tons of older stuff I'd never heard before that I could hear now. But yeah, that feeling of just like getting a tape trade in the mail or going to a CD shop and going big on like some band you never heard before. It's just like, yeah, that that feeling is gone, you know. I've got a friend that listens to a lot of he calls it death metal. I argue with him about the shit that he listens to not being death metal, but he's so open-minded to it, it feels like he likes anything. Like you put some fast aggressive music in front of him and and he loves it. And he legitimately enjoys it but i have the opposite problem where you can show me like a hundred current bands and i i think it all just it's like oh no like i heard this 20 years ago i heard this 10 years ago or this sounds just like this band like i love nile and i always feel like you're gonna you're gonna be in a band that sounds somewhat like Nile, I'm just going to listen to Nile because you guys aren't going to do it better For sure. than they do it. Niles. So and I'll we'll just say, stick. I'll just stick with them. Dude. I, I, I was lucky enough to catch Nile a bunch on their, uh, when black seeds of vengeance had just come out. And that was like some magic, man. That was just like being so lucky to be at the right place at the right time, you know? But I, I feel the same way about like yeah. newer bands. And that's crazy to say, cause I'm in a band I make music, I release it, you know. Uh, I know how it is to be like in a newer band releasing music and that's aggressive or fast or whatever. But yeah, unfortunately, I'm kind of the same where I'll hear something new that people are raving about. I'm like, oh yeah, that just sounds like Bolt Thrower or something. <laughs> it's like, I I bought that like in high school. So um, I don't know, it's kind of a, I don't know if that's like, I should, I'm trying to be like more accepting of like the newer stuff and be like, yeah, this is awesome. People are, are doing cool things, but 
I, I do have that, that habit yeah, of like going being like sounds like napalm death, sounds like morbid angel, sounds like Nile, you know. What's your opinion on Black Dahlia murder? Oh uh, I think they're cool, you know. I saw them on their first album when it came out on Hollowed. I saw them at the in Chicago at like a small venue. Um they were all just like they looked like high school kids. And I liked that record. And then I didn't really follow them for the past, like after that. I kind of lost track. And then I saw them open for Carcass and I thought they were okay. And then for some reason, like maybe four years ago, they like really clicked with me again. Like they're a band, I guess, that's doing the opposite. Like I like the later stuff in their catalog as opposed to like the, the early stuff. So I think as those guys get older, uh, okay. they're okay. They're getting a lot better and more interesting. What genre would you put them in? Uh, melodic, like melodic death metal meets like thrash, I guess. <laughs> okay. I always argue with with him about this specific band because I I will fight to the death that you can't call them death metal. And I have a really hard time explaining why I don't feel that they should be in that category, but like I'll defend it even though I can't express it. Uh, I think if I were to put like them and Darkest Hour, those two bands are like very similar. They have like thrash, melodic Swedish death metal, and hardcore influences like American hardcore, like in their gene pool, but like they split where Darkest Hour goes a little bit more towards the U.S. hardcore, Black Dahlia, their riffs were just a little bit more Swedish death metal, like at the gates and stuff like that. So uh, I, I would give them the nod for like melodic death metal. Okay, okay. At the Gates was one of those bands when they were at the height of their popularity that I just didn't get it people were losing their shit about at the gates and I was, I just, I couldn't, like I, I hated it. I couldn't even listen to it, but other similar bands like I could still get into. It's weird how that shit works. There's certain bands. Yeah. I didn't just... really get at the gates at the time, but I did really like the haunted when they came out. And, uh, I think because I was following their career a lot and I liked it, I went back and listened to At The Gates. I was like, yeah, that's cool. But um, I need to be the right food. Oh, it grew. It hit you later. Yeah, like them and like I think later day carcass were like, I didn't think it was the greatest at the time, but like it's catchy and you're like, all right, I'll, I get it. Carcass always feels like music that you could dance to. And that always turned me off. Like it just had too much groove where it almost felt, it almost felt like it was happy. Yeah. I saw them like three or four times since they've reunited. And each time I've left the show kind of like, uh, that was cool, but it wasn't like anything like brutal or gory or like, Oh, that felt disgusting. I was just like, oh, that was fun. <laughs> right. I want to talk about Chicago. This was the thing when you were talking to cat, that I have tried to explain to people. And I feel like people on both sides of the conversation are unable to grasp. 
if while you were talking to Kat about your childhood in Chicago, her reaction was complete disbelief. She couldn't imagine what it must be like to see it like a dead body in the street or to see one of your friends get murdered. And when I try to talk to friends or people that I know here in America, but they don't live in New York or LA or Detroit, they live in like some smaller rural town. They don't understand that either. Almost to the point that people think that, right. Oh, he's exaggerating. Like he wants to put on this, this persona about himself that he's like a street kid from a tough town, but there's some sort of like cognitive dissonance in their head that won't let them believe that they're actually places like this. And I've been to Chicago. I haven't spent a lot of time there, but I was there long enough to get the feeling that this is somewhere I would never want to come back to. And I would never want to live. And I have friends that go on a vacation or they have a business trip and they're like, Oh, I got to go to Chicago. And I'm like, be careful. And they always ask why. And I'm like, it's not like for like you mentioned, I don't think it is currently, but it has been for a long time, the highest murder rate city in the country. And people say, oh, well, there must be nice places. And it's like, yeah, like there's a lot of luxurious, rich neighborhoods in Chicago. But just like where I grew up, your gated golf course community is a five minute drive from a place that you don't ever want to go. Oh, yeah. It's nice to hear somebody that's experienced that. But I was so I remember listening to the episode it was a couple months ago when y'all did it, but I re-listened to it this morning because I knew I was going to talk to you today. Do you run into that issue where you try to explain this to people and either they just can't understand it or they think that there's something that sounds fun or exciting about it? Like, living in a shitty community full of violence has become something that has been romanticized. Right. Uh, It's one of those things because like the area that I grew up in was like awful. Right. And so you come to Japan, the crime rates really low. There's no handguns. There's a lack of violence. So like the only violence that people really see is the occasional murders that happen in the news here, but the news will also kind of hide it under the rug, right? So a lot of people aren't aware that that sort of violence is even happening in their own backyards. So a lot of the violence and things that they see about America come from like Netflix or like watching like drama shows. So um, there's not like a real way to connect with what you're saying. Like, so I could sit here all day and scream it in their face, like about seeing 
people getting shot or like drug overdoses and just like knife fights and dog fighting and all these things. And like, they would hear you, but I don't know how much would really like stick, but they would just kind of think that you're insane. Like they'd be like, oh, okay, that I don't know how to handle what you're saying. So it's one of those things that like, I don't ever bring up with anyone on here. So during the, the podcast, the death radio one was like the first time, I had told, I think, anyone out here what it was like for me to grow up. So her reaction was very, like, shocked because she couldn't believe it. And I assumed that would be mostly everyone else's, like, uh, reaction out here that I would, like, speak to. Unless, like, you know, they've been to the States or they have, like, firsthand, like, relatives that might have experienced that as well or something. Um as far as that, like, the response from people to be like, wow, that sounds so dangerous. I want to go and, like, document it or take pictures of it or whatever. I haven't gotten that either, but it wouldn't surprise me if people would all of a sudden be like, yeah, I want to travel and go see it. Because, you know, that's a whole nother, like, uh, style of there's, like, you know sex tourism and there's like regular tourism and then there's like medical tourism people want to see like destruction tourism you know they want to see places that are like pillaged and destroyed so violent street right so there would be people that would be like oh i gotta go i want to see this firsthand uh just to kind of like you know experience it in a like a because they're fascinated with like death and destruction but um Chicago is a really big city and it's been cut up and divided and like strategically like had things spread out so tourists can come and go downtown and go to the baseball fields and go shopping and feel safe and never know that you know across two three streets down or whatever it's totally different you got people addicted to to crack and shoot there's gang fighting and there's like corrupt police and all this stuff they would never see it because the city has gone to like great lengths to kind of hide it from everyone and these are the same things that happen okay. for like uh okay res- like in mexico people go to mexico they're like i'm going to mexico but they go to like a resort of course that resort is like a safe bubble but like you go right. outside there's kidnappings and cartel violence and drugs and things like that but they would never know that that happens so I would say Chicago is the same way. Anywhere really in the Midwest, like Cleveland and Detroit are the same. It's like, you can go experience the city and never feel unsafe. I rode I rode the Greyhound through Chicago. And are you familiar with where the Greyhound station is? Yes. Is that an area that you want to hang out in? Not five years ago, but... <laughs> heard uh recently what's happened there as everywhere else in the city uh they've torn down a lot of those areas just to build like high rises and condos and coffee shops and things like that. okay so it looks nothing i think like it did a few years ago it was maybe 10 years ago Mm. but it was nothing but abandoned buildings broken glass graffiti open doors you know, trash, yep. tents, sleeping bags. And it was just like, oh, like, this is the Greyhound station. Like, this is an area of mass transit in the heart of yep. the city. And I was like, ah, I'm, 
Like, I think I'm good. And then you hear, you know, everybody else talk about it. It's like, wow. Yeah, I, I've definitely been to that bus stop many a times. And I would usually take, like, the midnight bus to Toronto or New York. And it would just be like, all right, just don't leave the station. <laughs> don't look at anybody. It's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's funny to, like, kind of sit here and joke about, but people might not understand, but. It is definitely a rough, rough city. It's uh, no less than it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. It's just things get kind of moved and spread out and hidden more, but it's still there, man. Has there been a situation or a time since you moved to Japan where you found yourself in a situation where you felt freaked out or scared no i mean and i've gone out to what's been considered like the ghettos and the tough neighborhoods or i've had people like approach you and someone be like that was so scary but you know i i never feel like i'm gonna have a gun pulled on me or i never feel like i'm gonna get like robbed if i walk home by myself past 10 or uh, or I'm going to get jumped what's, by like 20 people. So, What's the neighborhood that is considered like for, I don't know the, for tourists. There's if you watch a, a YouTube video or whatever, they always say like, don't go to Kabuki show. Just stay away. But when right. I went there, it was like, this is, this is the bad part of town. Like you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> Because this just, this feels like the Vegas Strip. This doesn't feel like... It is. Kabukicho's weird, man. Kabukicho's like, it's a red light district, and it's a little dingy, and you got people pushing sex on you all the time. But there's also, like, family restaurants and tourists taking pictures, and, like, it's a weird place. But uh, the one that comes to mind is Koiwa Station, and there's a live house over there, so I'm constantly there for, like, death metal or harsh noise shows. And you tell people, like, oh, Koiwa Station. They're like, be careful. That's an old Yakuza area. And I'm like, I've never gotten that vibe, like, feel dangerous or anything. But that's one. And it, I guess it was, like, the suicide capital of Tokyo, like, 20 years ago. Like, it's a, I mean, it's a little far out from Tokyo. It's, like, on the... It's almost into Chiba. Um, But, again, it's never... I've never felt like I was in danger, like I would, like, be walking home from the bus stop at 10 o'clock, you know? Have you had any interactions with Yakuza? Yeah, I've seen them. uh, I've seen quite a few. Usually not so much in Tokyo. Usually when I go, like, to southern Japan or... Um, you'll see some people that you're like, oh yeah, I assume this guy's affiliated, you know? Do they give you like an, oh shit, I better be careful vibe? Or is it just, oh, that guy's probably involved with the mafia. Like, I've got, are like, you few... like, I better avoid this dude or, or not at all? I mean, I think that's the Chicago in me where I'm just like, fuck this guy. You know, it's just like people giving you dirty, dirty looks or mumbling something, but I've never had any of them like 
anyone come up to me or threaten me or I've never felt like, oh man, I'm in a bad situation, but you could kind of sense it like, oh, you oh, know what? A... I, th I think I'm in a place where there's quite a few right now. So, Have you had any racist American moments where you've felt singled out just because you're all the time to an offensive extent where you've actually gotten all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people who romanticize living in Japan, it comes from like entertainment. They're like anime fans or wrestling fans or whatever it is about Japanese culture, but living here, it's a lot different. Uh, as any kind of foreigner. And then there's a hierarchy, I believe, of like what kind of foreigner lives here. So if you're like a tall British looking guy or Australian guy, you might have an easier time than it is like, say, another foreigner from <laughs> Korea or Nigeria or India, uh, you know? And, or for me, sometimes it's interesting because like, yeah, I'm, I'm born in America, but my parents are... Uh, Cuban and Brazilian so that becomes like a whole nother conversation that is kind of confusing for people sometimes so um, but yeah you go, you, go, you go into establishments where they'll clearly tell you like no foreigners here or you'll hear people like you could see it in their eyes like they're not they don't want you there maybe because they've had bad experiences with other foreigners that have been in their establishments before you so it's maybe not even you personally it's just like the pr the previous people before you that kind of like mucked it up for everyone else so um do you but yeah do you it, take it, offense to that I'd be lying if i said like no i mean i think i did early on but like growing up in chicago there's like so much just inner bickering and racism like everywhere that like you just become accustomed to it but like living in japan it took like a minute to be like oh so this is how it is here and just to be like all right well i get it you know i think that people would argue with me about this but i would i don't know some people some people argue with you about anything but there's there's different levels to me of like racist attacks that I could take on myself where when I, when I was there for a couple of weeks, a few years ago, there were a handful of places I walked in where the guy would give me like the X and it would be like, no, like, but to me, I guess I understood that. I was like, Oh, they just don't want to fuck with it. Like we can't understand each other. I, I could find a way to make myself mad about this and take offense to it. But I was just like, okay, I'll just go somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, I always wonder that too. Like, what was the reasoning for this? Because, you know, if I'm a restaurant or a bar and I have anyone coming through the door, that's like money to keep me fed, you know, and keep the lights on. Uh, but I don't know what it is. Some places are just like, sorry, not going to happen. Um, yeah, it's just something you can't explain and you can't really, I think you can't change the system. It's just like the way it is. Like if you get a no, it's no. What's your favorite, uh, 
neighborhood? Your favorite area of Tokyo? Uh, I kind of like the area that I live in. I'm over in like Koenji, Asagaya, Okubo area. So I like it because Koenji, there's tons of punks that live around here. There's people with neck tattoos. There's artists. There's, uh, you know, there's protesters against like, you know, the the government which i mean you might not agree with everything they're protesting but it's cool to see people being like i'm gonna make my voice heard like old punks you know like right doing something about it i like yeah and then it's like i like it because there's just like artists everywhere live houses rehearsal studios which means there's tons of musicians everywhere and then uh i like it because it's close to okobo which is like the notorious like um korean town but there's also like a big population of people that live there from Nigeria and Nepal and India. So I like it because it's one strip of road, but you could hear many different languages, smell lots of different spices and foods from everywhere. And uh, it's pretty cool to live close to something like that while in Tokyo, you know. How is your Japanese? Not so good. <laughs> I could communicate with my, uh, I could communicate with my daughter or with my coworkers, but as far as like being fluent or as good as some of my friends, like, not gonna happen. But you know, I don't want to give excuses. But the work culture here is like you work all the time, way more than in the states. So when you come home, I think you just want to eat, have a drink, and like. <laughs> fill out so the last thing on my mind is like gotta hit the books gotta study my katakana my kanji it's like no i've been at work for 12 hours i just want to take a bath and (laughs) you know chill so uh but being here for almost five years and having a kid that's uh half japanese uh it's gonna be one of those things that's a kick in the ass to to learn she'll help you that's got to be the easiest way to do it. Cause that's what I'm hoping. She'll bring her homework home and then uh, her mom could teach uh, <laughs> me and, and our daughter at the same time. We'll be like, oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> Is your wife Japanese? Yes. Oh, shit. So within five years, you found a girlfriend, dated, got married, had a kid. Yes. That's like... That's like every neckbeard's dream. You like made right. so many people happy right now. It's like, oh, it, it can happen. Like I can. It can happen. It. It's a <laughs> city of thirty million people, so I think there's there's someone for everybody here. So, does she speak English well? Uh, I wouldn't say fluently, but uh, her English is better than my Japanese and. In the house, we communicate with our daughter kind of in a very mixed way. So sometimes I'll speak Japanese or English to my daughter. Sometimes she'll speak Japanese or English. And it's just constantly like both languages being tossed around the house. So, How hard is it when y'all have a disagreement to talk it out? Is, is that an... Is that a noticeable issue when it's like, we got to discuss this, but. Oh, no, actually we've been like 
yeah, I think we've we've been pretty lucky to just like figure out a way to do it. Either if there's a, any language issues, you know, you got Google Translate, or oh, uh, we'll just have to simplify the language that <laughs> we awesome. use to each other, That's like awesome. so we can understand. So it's uh, yeah, it could be a little difficult at times, but we've been lucky. What did uh, what do you do for work? I was a social worker here for about three and a half years. Now I switched over to like a newer uh, international school and I'm kind of helping uh, with building their business right now. So kind of uh, changed direction okay. with my career. How did you get your permanent visa? Yeah, I'm still waiting on the permanent residency, but I started here with a regular just work visa, and then I switched over to a spouse visa, and then um, now we're in the process oh, of doing the right. permanent residency. So for anyone considering moving to Japan, I, uh, one thing you don't read about when you're you know, considering it is just the amounts of endless paperwork that there is and paperwork and the sending faxes and stamping papers and going to city hall and getting papers and mailing it like there's a lot of paperwork all the time and trips to immigration so um it's not like hard or anything it's just just a little annoying so <laughs> a fair warning to anyone considering the move What's what's the timeline for you in terms of how many times did you had you visited prior to moving or did you just take the plunge? No, no, no. I came here about five times beforehand. Um, OK, I OK. And each time I came, I was like, man, I love it. I love it. But I wanted to make sure it was like the right thing to do. So. Uh, for the people that, like, move here that have never been to the country, man, I I don't know if they're just crazy or just, like, adventurous. I don't know if I envy them or if I think they're insane, but I can never do that. Just, like, pick a country and be like, all right, that's where I'm going, and uh, just pick up and move without knowing anything about it, you know? Did you get... Did you get the work visa as the social worker? I got it as a teacher, but the job that was going to sponsor it uh, wasn't really what I thought it was going to be. And so I had to go through switching my visa title. And it, the, that first year here was a, was a true test of just like the hard way of figuring out how to, how to do that, you know. Do you have any tattoos on your neck or hands? No, I've always wanted to, but I think here, you know, I would need to like own my own business or be like filthy rich or something to be able to do that and be employable. Because even now, I've gone five years and uh, yeah, I think only one or two coworkers have ever seen my tattoos. Like I'm, you know, Japan in the summer is like. Oh, scorching hot. It's humid as fuck. And I am just long sleeves all the time. So no one knows. 
when you got when you got the job as the English teacher, they never knew that you had tattoos at all. No. That's the one thing I looked at. I looked at doing the English teacher thing. And then after talking with Kat about it as well, like I can't, like I can't hide it. There's nothing I can do about it. And I looked through all the different companies that I could possibly apply with. And I was like, well, the other way to move is to prove that you could be a valuable asset in some sort of special trade. So then it becomes like, I've seen YouTubers be able to move because they're YouTubers and like Japan wants a certain amount of YouTubers. So they've gotten work visas as it's YouTubers. So I figure like you can probably bullshit. I'm a personal trainer that specializes in American you football. <laughs> you could, you know, there's so many like, different yeah. types of visas. I think it just depends on you sh- being able to prove how much income you're able to bring in. So then, you know, show that if for some mm. reason you yeah. lose whatever job that you have out here, uh, you're able to provide for yourself or you're not going to just be in the red and, be living on the streets or something or outstaying your visa. Like they want to know how much is in your bank, how much you're making, things like that. So you could be a YouTuber, you could be a painter, you could be a U.S. football coach. I think as long as you got like the funds to back it and show that you would be like a good taxpayer, they'll let you in. Wrestling yep, brought you to Japan. How so? What what about it? We got wrestling here in America. That's, what's, that's true. But what's the attraction? Well, like, I got into wrestling like with WWF. Of course, I was like six or seven years old. Loved the American wrestling, but it wasn't until like I was like twelve or something I discovered like Japanese wrestling, and I just got hooked from that man because it was just like to me there was gone was like the soap opera aspect and the the drama and the short matches. It was, it was like big dudes just beating the hell out of each other for like a half hour. And it was just like brutal, is man. It, they were just like, is it more physical and super physical? And that's what I enjoyed. So like ever since then, I've been a lifelong okay. fan, you know, and I love stuff like uh older UFC and pride and K one and stuff like that. So the physical sports is like what I'm into, but, the, the Japanese pro wrestling as a way of bridging that, like it's entertainment and uh, it just looks absolutely ballistic when they, they go at it, you know? So um, something about just Japanese wrestling. just Is it, is it almost in a middle ground between Olympic wrestling and WWE where it's not, boring as shit like olympic wrestling but it's not fake as shit like um wwe i i would say like it's the middle ground between wwe and like your ufc fans so it's like it looks it looks absolutely like violent and like hardcore but you got like the lights and the the excitement and the glamour of like wwe and like the the wardrobes and everything. So like, I feel like it's the perfect balance for the two. 
are the winners predetermined? Of course. I think pro wrestling everywhere is the same, like, okay. predetermined. Okay. Yes, they're not, like, really, like, fighting like UFC, but dudes get hurt because it is very athletic. Uh, I don't think any of that changes anywhere across the board. It's just the way they do it. Instead of a three- okay. or four-minute WWE match, you might get a 25-minute match, and the guys leave, like, super red and beat up and this exhausted because it just looked crazy so um but it's nowhere near like ufc where there's like broken noses and guys going unconscious and stuff like that got it got it did you move to participate or just to be around just to watch it and be a part of that culture so i've been lucky enough to live very close to where everything takes place like all the arenas so i've spent a good portion of the the five years here uh going to a lot of pro wrestling events becoming uh friends with some wrestlers and things like that so it's been really cool did you know hana oh uh hana kamaro yeah I, i i got to see her wrestle a bunch in stardom uh and she wrestled for another company called Wrestle One. So I went to many of her shows. I have a picture actually with her. Um, always like really sweet to talk to. And no shit. Her, the way she died, like her suicide and the whole like bullying was like really big. And it's still talked about on TV now because the mom, her mom is suing the people on Twitter who sent her those abusive messages that led to her killing herself that night. And so those people have been taken to court. And is she trying? Is she? Tr- they're trying to get those people prosecuted. Is the mom going after the actual people, not Twitter as a platform? Yes, yes, yes. So the actual people that sent her the private messages that were abusive have been taken to court. A few of them already. Holy shit. Uh, and the government has been trying to make new laws that are really strict on people that are caught doing, like, cyberbullying because it is a big problem here. There's a big, like, suicide rate for, like, people that are, like, young teens and, like, high school. And it's just, like, but that's in the States, too, and that's everywhere. It's just, like, it's a big issue, but... The government here is like trying to pass laws and some of those people that were on Twitter that sent those private messages were um, were taken to court and they they were forced to pay like small fines. It was like 500 US dollars or something. So it wasn't sig- like a big amount, but I think just it was significant to see that like something like an action against them was taken but the mom uh now is going against like the producers of the tv show and um really like trying to get justice for her daughter so she's been on tv a lot um is tara's house done i think so did you i think after that i didn't watch any of it because i don't really care for like uh reality tv shows or anything like that but um but i was interested to watch it because she was on it but i didn't have any time and then 
you know, what happened happened. And I was just like, I don't even want to watch this. This is, but people, people here are grateful that the issue of cyber bullying is being brought up because I think it's a, definitely a culture here of just hiding your emotions and just like brushing it off and keep on going, you know, but like, the suicide rate here is like really high too. So there's obviously an issue that should be discussed on a bigger scale, you know, on a bigger stage, like something should be talked about. Uh, and I think people are happy that like, she is at the forefront of like trying to push this tough conversation. It feels like it's fighting an impossible battle, but at least they're trying to establish some sort of, I don't know if I was going to tweet something shitty at somebody and maybe I was going to have to pay 500 bucks just to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not, I'm not going to risk the $500 fine for sure. But I think she knows that in a way it's in a, it's an uphill battle and it's almost like an impossible fight. But as long as something like something comes of it, then I think it'd be awesome. But like, but then again, like to play devil's advocate, what do you do? Like, who's gonna police these tweets and messages? Be like, mm, I don't know. That that one looks like a five hundred dollar fine, or mm, I don't know. I don't think that one was offensive enough for the fine. So, I think at that point, what are you gonna do? Like, appoint a a Twitter committee to look over tweets and like pick what's offensive and what's not. Like, I think it's just like it gets really crazy the more like you the more like if it got pushed through like how would you even enforce anything so you got anything that you want to talk about for 10 minutes if not i mean i'll just we'll just bullshit about more uh no man i'm enjoying what you're throwing at me so whatever you got you did mention on the podcast with cat that violent crime isn't necessarily even represented in Japanese media. And you always, you kept using the example of SVU and, and law and order. Is there syndicated versions of SVU on Japanese TV or is it not even shown there at all? Man, I wish I missed living in the States. Cause like I would go to my mom's house and just like, I think you had like Lifetime or A&E or USA Network, whatever, like showing Law and Order all day, every day. I miss it, but uh, it's not on TV here and it's not on Netflix here. So I haven't seen it in a while, but there's a Japanese show that's very similar to Law and Order. And they, it's actually like pretty, they show some pretty gruesome stuff and it's just like on regular TV and it's like a, two detectives and okay. they find like a bones or a skeleton or something. And uh, they try to find out who was the killer. So it's, it, it's always like very similar to like bones or CSI or law and order or something. So I get my fix that way, but right. yeah, I haven't, okay. I haven't watched any SVU in a while. Unfortunately, do you get into the stereotypical Japanese shit at all? Do you watch, anime or play video games not so much you care about gundam anything like that not so much i think i'm just like it's like some 90s anime like uh 
you know, Demon City, Shinjuku, and like, uh, like Ninja Resurrection and Ninja Scroll. But these are all animes that like I tell people and they're like, I've never heard of them. Like, what? It just came out. It's like, oh wait, that came out in 92, 93. So never mind. Uh, so apart from that, like, I don't really know much about video games or, or anime. So I think my, my like pop culture thing with Japan was just like music and, uh, wrestling, you know? What's the, what's it like being in a band with dudes that you can't easily communicate with? Does it matter when it's music? Or has it like has it been relatively it's been easy? Easy, like there's ways to just like break down language and just like do gestures, but you could totally connect with people over music. You're like, yeah, like and like throw up the horns or something, and you know, it, it that's universal. Was it easy for you to find people to to start a band with and get going, or did it take you a while? It was easy because my old band uh, had toured here in 2015 and we played with some Japanese bands and the members from some of those bands and I had stayed contact on, I think, Facebook or Instagram. And when they found out I was moving to Japan, they kind of sent me, tossed the ball my way. It was like, hey, let's start a band. So as soon as I got here, it was like. That's awesome. That's so cool. Start jamming. <laughs> If you wanna, if you wanna plug your band site or anything like that, but I'm also gonna put links for shit in there. But if you wanna throw it out there, cool. Uh, man, this has been awesome to do. I feel like we could chat for like six, seven more hours, just like anything, you know. So hopefully, we could do this again. And even though the time zones are a little crazy for the both of us, but this is really cool, man. So um. If anyone ever wants to check out my band, it's um, Mortify. We play some gore grind, fast grind core. So anyone wants to hit me up on Instagram too. The handle's Mr. Grapes in Osaka. Uh, you want to talk death metal or true crime or anything going on in Japan or anything, I'm always stoked to just chat. So want to talk pro wrestling i'm your guy so. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome cool i'll get all those links dropped down there but again thank you for just being so open to doing it and if you ever are just like hey man i got like i got two hours anytime man this was really fucking cool so there's a lot more to talk about because we didn't really get into like the prime stuff all right man i appreciate it thank you dude